Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning into the Sheila Zielinski Show for this Monday, August 6, 2018 edition. What a great show we have. I want to jump right into it. You're in for a real treat. My guest today is Craig Sawman-Sawyer. I really don't think he needs any introduction to my listeners, but for those that are new, he's a U.S. Marine and Navy SEAL sniper, Dev Grew SEAL Team 6. I always feel like I could just take the whole hour walking through his impressive arsenal of accolades, but without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome him back to the program. It is Craig Sawman-Sawyer. Welcome back to the program, sir. It is a pleasure. Thank you, Sheila. It's always a pleasure. I appreciate uh, the coverage. Well, Craig, what I want to do today is I really want to address something a lot of my listeners know that I've had you on in the past. They've been emailing me for the last couple months about this particular situation we're going to get into today. I want to shed some light on this. I think this is an important show on a particular fella that's out there. He's got quite a cult-like following on social media, but boy, does he have a checkered past. And something I'm going to call Operation Bravo Sierra, maybe Operation Con Man, maybe that's the best way to put this. And again, I wanted to let the dust settle on a lot of things that took place in the last eight weeks. But I want to get into this today. Now that I finished some investigative work, I really want to shed some light on a particular fellow out there that I believe is very dangerous, and quite frankly, is a criminal and should be arrested. But I want to talk today about the very strange saga of one Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer and some other aliases that I'll get into later, and how Craig Sawman Sawyer, how he got involved with this person, and what happened as a result of trying to help in a situation. Now, let me take a little bit of time here, Craig, to develop the backstory here. Recently, a story out of Tucson, Arizona went viral. Now, this group led by this fellow, Michael Lewis, Arthur Meyer, he's also uh, known by other aliases. He's also known by a lot of the investigative work I've done. We'll call him Screwy Louie because Lewis Arthur Meyer has quite a track record. Now, he says he leads a group dedicated to rescuing homeless veterans and he just by happenstance stumbled onto a child sex trafficking camp in the woods near Route 19 at the CMEX property 40 miles from the border with Mexico. The Facebook live streams this guy has done oh very captivating. The group insisted this could be nothing other than a cartel rape camp for trafficked children. This is the story of Michael Lewis Arthur Meyer. Yeah Mike Meyer there's a great name. The leader of this group Veterans on Patrol. And by the way, my investigation shows me he is not a veteran. He's the star of some really compelling Facebook videos. But I've spent the last few months in the background on his life in North Carolina, the many profiles of Louis Prepper, some early mentions in 2012 and 2013. Now, as you know, I've had Cliven and Ammon Bundy on my show several times. I've talked to the Bundys, and on record, I can tell you that this person was very instrumental of designating himself wrongly as the Arizona Oath Keepers and the Three Percenters, informing everyone they should coordinate their travel to Nevada with him. He was forced to leave after they just kicked him out finally, the Bundys and their 
real crew kicked him out after an incident involving glow sticks and a government drone strike that he insisted was coming. He later aligned himself with uh, Stuart Rhodes, head of Oath Keepers. He's had quite a sketchy background. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, Craig, but Lewis Arthur first hit the news in the Phoenix metro area when he climbed an 80-foot light pole in Surprise, Arizona, a town near Phoenix. He stayed on top of the pole, waving an upside-down flag for hours. He refused to tell police why he climbed the pole. He made these loose statements about veterans' rights and the treatment of veterans. Interesting, he's not a veteran. He was arrested and charged with criminal trespass. He's got felony charges right now as we speak. He was also just arrested by Pima County Police for trespassing on private property. There's several ongoing investigations and more felony charges pending for this fella. He's a known, by his own admission, drug user, meth, crack, you name it. He's aligned himself with several grassroots things. And then he takes videos. He's got a a bit of a cult following. Now he starts referring to himself as both the head of a ministry and as a veteran advocate, the founder of Veterans on Pro. Well, we know that's not true. And it should be pointed out, again, he's not a veteran, although many assume he is due to his mode of dress, his mill speak, and he sure doesn't disabuse anyone of the notion. This borrowed valor is a whole other show into itself, but he was given a empty lot donated by a local Arizona businessman. He called it Alpha Base. Allegedly, when the story hit television in the newspaper, donations including gift cards, supplies poured in for this VOP, Veterans on Patrol, Alpha Base. He set up tents, He gathered local homeless, but he made a lot of false claims about veterans' homelessness. He was completely unaware of the services already available, like the CRRC. He was ignoring the City of Phoenix permit requirements, sanitation requirements. He moved his alpha base to another property. I mean, he's just had one pattern after the other. And then now in his mind, the conspiracy against him is raging. Several alpha bases, he's bounced around. He's went from Phoenix. He was over in Mesa. One of his camps flooded due to repeated evictions because they said, hey, listen, you're you're putting the health of your residents in your camp at risk. His social media platforms have disappeared and then they've reappeared magically under another assumed identity. And with the dissolution of his alpha base, when he went to Tucson, what did he do? Well, it's assumed during his pre-Arizona days, he supported himself largely via theft and other illegal acts based on his own statements about his past and his rap sheet. But since arriving in Arizona, he survived on donations to his quote-unquote ministry. The police and local authorities continue to have problems with him. By some of my insiders who I've interviewed going back 10 years, they said he's a sexual predator, he's a complete provocateur, a seriously flawed character who I believe really could be very dangerous. I think with my psychology background, the person's completely got a mental disorder, very unstable. He's tried to get malicious fighting. I could go on and on. But now it's time to discuss Lewis Arthur's biggest op yet, the rape camp, the abandoned camp. As he assured his social media audience, this is no homeless camp. This is an abandoned camp where child sex trafficking is for sure going on because he's the expert. He said, oh, yeah, there's children in danger. And how a true American hero, a highly decorated sniper in Desert Storm, who's actually filming a documentary about child sex trafficking, how Craig Sawyer, the 
former DevGrew SEAL Team 6 Marine and Navy SEAL with an impeccable reputation, how you got involved, Craig, in what some of my insiders have dubbed him Screwy Louie for good reason. Talk about that. Well, we are busy building Vets for Child Rescue and our international operations, joint operations with local and federal law enforcement. We're doing sting operations, arresting perpetrators from coast to coast. And I was about to head out for Southeast Asia on a trip. So we are filming Contraland, which is the biggest first effort for Vets for Child Rescue, was to shake the American public awake, to let them know on a mass scale what the mainstream news media won't tell the American people, and that is what's going on with our kids with child trafficking. So we were filming this, and we had filmed some uh, down on the southern border with a a third party that that runs border patrols down there, and uh, I had done a another special on it about six years ago for Discovery Channel and really exposing what was going on with the the southern border. And so this third party organization called me late at night, uh, it was on a Tuesday night, and said, hey, Craig, there's another group. He said it was this Veterans on Patrol group. I said, okay, who are they? He goes, well, I'll explain more later, but the guy right now says that they have children that they've uncovered that are underground in a bunker and that there are cartel guys that they just chased away from the bunker and they're trying to safeguard these kids from the cartel until law enforcement can get there. And he said, Craig, I'm two hours south of you down on the border. Are you close enough to intervene? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, where is it? He described to me. So I, I grabbed weapons and, and some basic uh, you know, body armor and kit, threw it in the truck and, and took off out the door. Well, I didn't realize that, you know, I'm used to jocking up and going into harm's way in 57 countries now all over the world, but my family's not used to that. I'm testing the lights on my weapons and and loading up with equipment. And like my son told me, he loved me 10 times before I walked out the door. I realized, man, their eyes were really big. They were worried, man. And I thought, man, this is normal for me, but it's not cool for my family. So I told (laughs) him, hey, this is not that big a deal in the scale of things. I'm just going to to help. You know, there's some kids in harm's way and we're, we're going to do the right thing. I'm calling all the rest of my team. Guys are going to converge. It'll, it'll, it'll be all right. And so they're like, okay, we're going to be praying for you. So I left my family and I boogied down there. And so I called the, the guy along the way, and that was this screwy Louie guy. And uh, I got there to the gas station adjacent to the C-Mix plant where he told me to meet him. And there were already three or four TPD vehicles there in the parking lot. And they were finishing up uh, a report with him. And then they immediately left not long after I got there. And then screwy Louie came over to me and started telling me whatever he had to tell me. And the first thing I knew, he was high as a kite bouncing off the walls and he's talking a mile a minute was yelling over me and i thought okay this guy's clearly bouncing off the walls on on, on something i asked him about it and he says yeah well i you know i i smoke all this stuff and i never need any energy because i've got more than energy than i need with this stuff and i just smoke this stuff and i got all my energy and if, if i gotta go to sleep i uh i smoke some other stuff and then i smoke this stuff in the morning and i have energy all day and all night and i'm like wow dude that's i don't know what that is but that doesn't sound normal i don't think you can get that over the counter <laughs> whatever, whatever that is so anyway what he told me was that law enforcement refused to investigate the place. In, in hindsight, we know that they just had, literally just had gone through there. When I when I was talking to him in that parking lot, he told me they wouldn't investigate. He knew darn well that they just had walked out of that camp. They had just spent two hours doing an, their initial investigation and documentation of everything in that camp. So it started from a lie, Sheila. The entire thing started from the premise of a lie and Screwy Louie saying that there were absolutely 
absolutely children in this bunker, absolutely being tortured, absolutely cartel. None of that proved to be true. So I said, well, show me what you got. And he, and he walked me through it. And I was like, wow, this, this looks weird. This looks concerning, man. This looks creepy. And he's like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent, you know, they're keeping kids prisoner here and torturing them and raping them and, and a hundred percent guaranteed. And I was like, well, let me just film some of this because, you know, my, the rest of my team, I hadn't gotten there yet. And so I'm filming with my cell phone just to document to show my guys. And then he's like, uh, Scooby Louie kept saying, well, nobody will come investigate. They, they want to cover it up. I'm like, why, why would an entire police department cover up something like this? That doesn't pass the sniff test with me. I went back. I started telling my guys, and they're like, oh, yeah, Screwy Louie. Everybody knows about him around town. We wish we would have told you sooner. He's kind of a problem. He's got a screw loose. That's the Screwy Louie moniker. So we went back out there the next morning, next couple days with uh, several news crews. They wanted to film it. Uh, we brought our camera crew out to, to film, document everything with 4K footage in case it ended up being pertinent for Contraland. Now, in hindsight, Side, it's not pertinent. It's not none of this will be used. Uh, but that was the the start of it. So over the next several days, we started talking to ranchers and locals and city officials and family that we know, and they they were all saying the same thing. The Screwy Louie guy is just basically a homeless idiot that jacks news cycles for gas cards and and free stuff. That he spins up people that are quite frankly not the sharpest, and they they don't research and they follow him like a cult following and just believe whatever he says. And he and he just spins people up and he rips them off. And he and he leads them into danger because right you know the one of the first things he did at the CMEX plant was climb up on the tower and say he was going to occupy that private property of uh, of the CMEX corporation. <laughs> he was going to occupy it with weapons and have a big standoff with law enforcement. Well, I think he said that on like the second or third day that we were down there filming. We we're like, okay, we're we got to get out of here and break contact with this guy completely. And then by Friday, we went and sat down with TPD and they were very forthcoming. And, uh, and the, the sergeant that I talked to had been an, um, an Army 82nd Airborne veteran. And he looked me right in the eye. He goes, Craig, we went out there. We responded immediately. We, here are all of our reports. We'll tell you anything you want to know. And so I started thumbing through the reports, and I saw that they were very detailed. The little, little earrings, you know, down in the uh, septic tank that it had been turned over and covered up. As, and that's what Screwy Louie was calling the bunker. Uh, when we were there, we noticed there was no place to cover that bunker to keep anyone in by force. So his story, it started being shaky from the beginning. So we started looking through the police reports. We saw that they'd been out there numerous times, I think nine times within the first week, law enforcement, TPD had been out there specifically. And they said, they, uh, Craig, we've got chest cameras. He goes, I don't, we don't know if he understands this, but we wear chest cams. Everything we do is recorded by video. And we'll let you review all of the chest cam footage. So here we are going through all of this evidence and information. We're like, you know what, um, what else do you have for us? They're like, well, we can walk through it step by step a couple things so the first thing was the bloody knife the bloody knife turned out to be not a knife at the CMEX camp it was a, a regular knife all the way across town at Screwy Louie's homeless VOP Kent City and they said we sent another patrol car out there and sure enough it was splattered red paint it didn't even look like blood and they're like Craig who calls out law enforcement for red splattered paint on a knife? This guy's wasting our time. He's wasting our man hours. We're overtasked and undermanned as it is. We're doing our best. And he's he's wasting a ton of taxpayer dollars and man hours of our law enforcement that need to be on patrol on legitimate stuff. Hey, we sent cadaver dog out there. We, In fact, uh, they sent two out there. And something that, that people don't know, when we work with dogs tactically, sometimes a dog will give a false hit. He thinks he smells something and he'll indicate 
and then you check it out and then, no it was close you know so it's like at a boy you tried but but no cigar they said there weren't even any false hits on cadavers out there and they went around and around and around all over that property so they were confident there was no bodies out there and they said the bones sticking out of the ground turned out to be bs that was false so the rape tree they're like hey the, the rape tree we interviewed the guy that lived out there the homeless guy and he hung all of his food and shelving on those trees and that's where that came from and all the shelving has been dismantled so the only thing that's left are all the straps and ropes there and sheila i'll tell you i've seen pictures of that group of trees since then at least it looks like the same trees and uh it's just improvised shelves out in the woods that people you know put stuff on so based on the way that the the straps were nailed into the tree some of the straps that were there were fire hose and it was either screwed or nailed i think they were screwed into one place and then there was a loop and it was screwed into the other so it was not adjustable you can slide your hand in there you can slide your hand back out so it's not effective as a human restraint unless there was additional strapping you know added to it so we were all making note of that and realizing that that didn't quite add up too so everything that tpd was showing us and telling us made sense it held up to the facts it held up to what we had seen there in fact the initial female officer that had responded out there that night walked through the camp and and she called it in by radio and they they said well do you have any perpetrators or victims and she says no there's there's nobody here and they're like is there any blood is there like evidence of a crime she said well no there's no real evidence of a crime but the place is concerning looking and that's right in the report sheila tpd wasn't trying to suppress this or hide it or they they would have buried that report and not shared that with me she said that it looked concerning we all thought that it was concerning but what brandon tatum says and other law enforcement officers uh, brandon was a was a, a tpd officer at one time he talked to me and he said craig what you got to understand is a lot of those homeless camps around there look similar to that it, this one's not radically different than any of the other ones that you can walk around there and find and any cop is, is going to kind of know that and they look weird because these homeless people they get a lot of free stuff from the city or the state they get free diapers and condoms for health reasons and this and that and they'll use them for anything because they're surviving on it. So it doesn't always make sense to us if you walk into a homeless camp unless you've been into a lot of them. So that's kind of what Screwy Louie did is, is use what was there and either he changed it to look worse or he just took what it was and just talked over it and, and lied over it and, and hyped it to make it look and sound like it was something that it, that it absolutely was not. So then... He starts yelling into his phone and he's compromising people mentally because he's getting them emotionally spun up. That's a yeah. psychological technique. And he's yelling into the phone, telling the sky's falling, the world's going to end, that these babies are being eaten here. It's a horrible thing, right? And so these people will compromise their thinking and not use rational thought. And as long as they're spun up and not thinking rationally and like with their adult mind, so to speak, then they'll send him gas cards and quad runners and drones and everything else. And he gets free stuff for yelling into his phone and telling him the horrible things happening. And he's the savior of the universe. So it's unfortunate that a lot of well-meaning people have been ripped off. But this guy's a predator of the worst kind. And he's taking money of good people, of well-meaning people. And he's even turning those people, what's worse, against good organizations who are actually doing real work to save children. He's turning them against law enforcement, too. So one of the things that I'm most concerned about, he was trying to turn Tucson into Bundy Ranch 2.0. And I'll right. let you talk about that a little bit, because I know you know Clive and Bundy, and you know quite a bit more about the, the Bundy standoff than I did. But I remember Screwy Louie getting on, on the, his cell phone and yelling for veterans from all over to 
pack up mama and the kids and, and the rifles and come down to Tucson to stand off with law enforcement because they were, according to him, suppressing this horrible rape camp and he was spinning people up. Well, he was trying to get them into a shootout with law enforcement and get good veterans killed over his own lies and hoaxing. Very upsetting, very egregious case of predation upon the unwitting and spinning up the public. So now that he people started figuring out that Screwy Louie was a liar and a hoaxer, and we had already talked to TPD, and I think it was probably after we denounced him. We, we put out a video saying, you know what, folks, we were told uh, one pretext, and yeah, it was concerning looking, but now we've learned the facts, and we, and we see no evidence of a crime. In fact, nobody of any credible ability has evidence of a crime there and we do have a ton of legitimate operations to run so we're going to go and continue with things that we know can be productive and leave this guy and his hoaxing behind right so in other words guess what we've investigated this we've put a lot of taxpayer money man hours resources behind this really there is nothing here but then talk about what ensued after that i mean the threats that you got the backlash you got is just absolutely stunning talk about that yeah well we you know put out that that video clarifying the facts and we moved on quite frankly sheila you know we we had our operations legitimate operations to conduct so I uh, finished up the planning and went over to uh, Southeast Asia and, and worked in three countries there with other NGOs and law enforcement units on some, some very effective stuff there. So, But what happened was Screwy Louie was threatened by that. So I guess his influx of free gas cards and stuff from his unwitting followers uh, must have started drying up. So the next thing he did was he started yelling into his cell phone again out there we've got a body they tried to cover it up but now we've got a child's body and so what sounds more definitive and gotcha than that right you dirty sobs tried to cover up my good work you know he's telling them but now we got a child's body like the end all be all proof that on the cmex property he had uncovered somehow a child's body well again 100% lie. Not true. Not a word of it was true. Here's what is true. He went up 45 minutes drive from Valencia and 19. If you hop in the truck, it's going to take you 45 minutes to get there. Up I-10, go all the way to Marana, Arizona, past Tucson. So Valencia is pretty far south of Tucson. And Marana is is pretty far north. It's 20 miles across the desert if you draw a straight line as the crow flies, if you're flying a helicopter. But if you're driving, it's a 45-minute drive. So up there, apparently, they found a skull in the desert. Well, that area by Picacho Peak is a major human trafficking corridor for illegals and drug runners. They come across the reservation and across a ranch that my buddy used to manage there for years and years. And they they come up the wash there. And we've filmed that for a a special that Discovery Channel ran a security assessment on. But anyway, we'd done that years and years ago. So yeah, they find 2,200 bodies average a year in the southern Arizona deserts. And they're along 
uh, several major corridors in. So all the locals and law enforcement know that. So what Screwy Louie did was leave South Tucson and go up to one of these corridors, and he found a man's, a full-grown man's skull out in the desert. Well, I could take you out, and if we hiked around long enough, we could find several. Yeah. Uh, and so that certainly is not a child's body down at Valencia 19 at the CMEX plant. So you see what he does. He takes something, he'll make a live video, and he'll yell into the phone, and he'll get people that don't pay attention and don't research, he'll get them emotionally hyped up, and without thinking, they'll start sending him free stuff. And we could go on and on on with this stuff but and another thing uh and here's something for all of his conspiracy theorist type followers that that aren't careful research one of the things they've hung their hat on is the mayor's name is rothschild well yes his name is that and i asked some of my guys i said well you guys run this and like we already know people that have been researching it nobody can make any connection whatsoever between him and the european rothschild family that we're all so concerned about and disgusted by so he's apparently not of the Rothschild family that that are problematic, the the big you know globalist oligarchs. So it's just unfortunate. What you've got are some un, uneducated people who aren't good at research, and they'll take one word and someone who hypes it, and they'll just spin into a frenzy. And it's one thing to be dumb, Sheila. It's one thing to be unsophisticated and have bad information and just theorize among yourselves as entertainment. It's another thing, however, to turn against good people to turn against law enforcement, to turn against other NGOs and real veterans who are arresting real perpetrators and taking them off the streets when they when they are known to abuse on average of 70 children each. Every perpetrator that we arrest and take off the streets keeps 70 children on average from being raped and tortured. So to attack and try to tear down real efforts, that's where the real harm is in a, a hoaxer and a fraud like Screwy Louie. So it's just weird. You know, Chief Magnus, they talk about him and his rap. I'm not going to touch that. I live here, and I, I'll tell you this. The chief is, is not the entire PD. Uh, he's one man. I've never met him. I don't know him, but I do know members of Tucson Police Department. I've met the ones that worked my daughter's case. And people out there that don't know my daughter's case, they'll know when they watch Contraland. Or if they've come to the summit that we had, the SAFE Summit, this last week in Tucson, they learned all about it. And people came up to me tearfully hugging. One of the VOP, former VOP supporters came up to me hugging me, telling me she was so sorry. And she wanted to apologize that she was so-and-so on Twitter and that she'd been running me down. And she says, I, I, I just wanted to apologize to you. And I, and I told her, I said, you know what? I respect and appreciate you having the courage and the integrity to reverse your stance now that you know the truth. And if only more people did that and, and were big enough to apologize when they know they've been wrong, the world would be a better place. So then they got on a tangent and then they started digging up stuff from other people that they found online that I work somehow for Hillary Clinton. No, I don't work for <laughs> Hillary. I've been calling for Hillary's prosecution for years and years. Uh, and, and all it takes is a two-minute Google search. You look, scroll down my Facebook uh, page, and you can see that over the years posted repeatedly. So these people it, it are painfully dumb. And I say that because th they've been so hostile and they've tried to cause so much harm and disruption to our operations. Some of our people have peeled off of more productive things or try to answer questions and deal with this. And it's just silly. And so, folks, if you don't know what you're doing, don't be hostile to better people, to people that are out there doing more than you are. Just don't do that, at least. So with Hillary, 
let me just put this out one more time so that people understand. In a high threat war zone, the way high threat dignitary protection works for the Department of State is they hire contractors through a third party firm. I was working for a company called Triple Canopy in northern Iraq for Department of State in that region. And any visiting dignitaries would show up uh, with little or no protection of their own. They would fall under my ultimate responsibility for protection and their mobile protection in that high threat war zone. So Donald Rumsfeld came in. He was the uh, Secretary of Defense at the time. So we had a big fleet of Black Hawk helicopters and Apache gunship helicopter escort. Hundreds of, of hard vehicle uh, motorcade. I mean, there was hundreds of guys involved, operators. That was a big tactical move, very sophisticated. A lot of a lot of good people coordinating on that one. Uh, Hillary Clinton and John McCain came and visited our region too, but they were just senators at the time. And so they showed up with two guys following them as security. And so, yes, I was responsible for their mobile security while in my region. And that's the end of it. That was in early 2005. Never dealt with them, never seen either of them since. And so for <laughs> now look back at the ridiculous stuff these conspiracy theorists have been posting online and how frantic and how overboard they've run on the fact that there's a bullet point on my resume that I was responsible for her mobile security while visiting in my region for a time. That does not mean that I put in a job application and subscribed to her politics and followed her around here in the States with her giving me paychecks. You know, I had a lot of guys that worked under me in Iraq, and they were all responsible for her protection. That's that's just how it works over there. It was a short visit. That's it. That's the end of it. So people need to be embarrassed and humiliated at, at how ridiculous their false accusations are, and, and attacking good people who are doing real work. So let's let's move on. Another thing. Sheila, I think it's important for people to understand the investigative process. One of the posts that I've seen, and it's silly and, and goofy, people are demonstrating that they don't have any concept of police work or investigative work. He did a 180. He flip-flopped. He changed his mind. He must be working for the Rothschilds or the Clintons. Oh, my God. He's deep state. Even though that's the opposite. Of, I mean, I've demonstrated what I'm about. I've shouted to the rooftops that I'm a patriot fighting for freedom and liberty and our Constitution. And I've called out George Soros and the Clintons and others for years and years and years. So shame on these goofy people for trying to, to, to cause confusion and being so hostile when they were just dead wrong. Shame on every single one of them. They should run and try to delete all their, their comments if they had any sense. Well, let me tell you something right now, Craig. I was so absolutely appalled and disgusted with the attacks that you were getting from his cult-like following. These are people, by the way, that donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to this charlatan. How dare they slander and libel and defame a highly decorated military veteran? I have generations of decorated military men in my family. I'm a huge supporter of veterans. And I'm going to tell you something. My blood was boiling. I thought, here we have a loyal servant and patriot to America. Clearly, they've never had the honor to work with a high-level SEAL. An attack on a man's honor, to me, is paramount to kicking his dog in front of his face. Craig Sawyer is a seasoned professional as a Force Recon Marine. He's a Navy SEAL DevGrew top tier one federal LEO investigator for many of his formative years. 
gave his entire life as a veteran for this country, who uses his namesake for the good of our children and has to put up with this discrediting bunch of crap? To me, that is absolutely disgusting, shameful, and it's ungodly. Trust me, I read, I took a lot of time to read through the comments. And of course, the one big thing, oh, well, Craig Sawyer did a 180. I want to put that thing to bed once and for all, Craig. Well, thanks for the kind words, Sheila. So on the 180... And, and so that everybody can, can enjoy some clarity. So in a simple law enforcement response, let's say a local cop gets called out for a domestic dispute. And what he's told, let's theorize, what he's told in this case is that the wife has been beating the husband. The husband calls, she's beating me, she's beating me, get here now. So you're the cop. You arrive, and sure enough, he's got a black eye, he's got a shiner, and they're standing in the front yard, and they're clothes are torn and you're like wow man you know it looks like upon first observation she's probably been beating him so you begin investigating and then you find out that it's a little bit different than the initial appearance you talk to him and he's like yep 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 she's been beating me 100 percent. that's guaranteed she's been beating me that i guarantee you as all day long she's just been beating me you're like okay sir thank you you go and interview her separately she goes no man he's been beating me in fact the only reason he's got a shiner is he he slipped once when he was on top of me and I put my elbow up and he caught a shiner. But other than that, that has been a one-way fight. He's been beating me senseless. Thank God you're here. I'm like, okay, well, ma'am, you, you know, you do look pretty beat up. That, that, that makes more sense. And you look around to see if you can find any more evidence. You see a neighbor across the street standing in the front yard. So you go interview him. Because as an investigator, you gather all of the information to gain the totality of the circumstances so that you can adjust and accurate your understanding with more facts, right? So you go and you talk to the gentleman across the street. Sir, do you see anything? Yep. He was beating the living stuffings out of her, and, and uh, it's, it's a good thing that you got here. You probably killed her. And you're like, sir, can you verify that? Yeah, my security camera faces that direction. It probably caught it all. And sure enough, you ask him to review it, and you can see it. You can see this guy beating the stuffings out of his wife. So now, when you go back to write your report, your final report is going to be different out of practical necessity than your initial observation. Why? Because you have integrity. Because you're going to put your emotions aside and you're going to follow the facts wherever they lead and you're going to gain a clearer picture of the truth and you're going to write it out and that's going to be your final report. Well, folks, that's what I did. And we put that final report on Screwy Louie in in, uh, Tucson. People should have watched that and known with my pristine background as a federal criminal investigator and tier one operator and other things with zero criminal record and maintaining a TS clearance my entire life and on and on and on, that should be a credible source and they should have learned from it and gone, oh, wow, okay then. You know, that looked concerning, but it turned out to be something else. Well, thanks for bringing the clarification. And I think a lot of people did, quite frankly, but the loud ones, you know, the ones that are smoking meth in the desert that have no jobs that just sit on the computer all day were firing out, you know, accusations of all the ridiculous stuff that we've been touching on. So it just got spun up. They didn't understand. So now hopefully if they listen to this, they can understand basic investigative concept and process. And maybe they, when they research, they'll do a lot better and maybe they'll attack good people a lot less and hopefully not at all. Right. I agree. Well, and you know what the irony is to me, Craig, 
You've got hundreds of thousands of social media followers. This guy really didn't have a lot until he hitched his wagon to Vets for Child Rescue. And then he got all of a sudden instant cult-like following status because that's what he has done before. He's aligned himself with Oath Keepers, the Militia, the Three Percenters. He's aligned himself with various people like the Bundys. Why? Because he gets attention. He's a narcissist. But then as soon as they find out he's a fraud, then he moves on to the next unsuspecting group of people. But here's an even better question. Why would you say you're a patriot and a veteran's advocate and then turn around and slander a highly decorated veteran and patriot? And what kind of a person names their organization or takes it over, I should say, from the original founder who mysteriously died, but I'll leave that one alone for this show. Why would you call yourself Veterans on Patrol when you're not even a veteran? You just, you can't even make this up. It's just unfortunate. It's sad, you know. I, I, you know, with, with people like that that are mentally ill, I wish them to get the help that they need. The thing that sets me off is when they when they attack me and they get hostile and they start trying to uh, to tear down the positive work that I'm doing. That's the yeah. real uh, yeah. tragedy. And you know, I'm I'm a warrior, man. I'm I'm not a I'm not a pet. You know, I'm not a little pet poodle that you that you know mommy can i come pet saw man i, I mean i'm a warrior i'm a killer i've hunted down the some of the worst bad guys on the face of planet earth why to defend our people here so i'm a nice guy i've got a soft heart for the kids but i'm not one to take a lot of grief from from some hostile scumbag that has no responsibility and wants to tear down work that, that we've worked so hard for you know, I think that this discussion can be very valuable in bringing clarity. And I think one of the things that, that I've seen out there multiple times that even some well-meaning people that, that aren't so hostile have asked, and I think this is an honest question, is, uh, you know, hey, why did they bulldoze uh, the site? Well, I feel like most people should intuitively understand that a big corporation like that that owns property can't have trespassers conducting tours with underground homeless shelter dug there uh, and and with all these conspiracy theories, especially when guys like Screwy Lee are calling armed militia members there and, and they're climbing up on billboards and threatening to have a shootout with law enforcement. That's a major insurance liability. Yeah. For CMAX, the corporation that owns the property. So I would guarantee you, CMAX's insurance would be demanding that they get control of the property, get the citizens and trespassers off of there, and minimize any threat of having a big law enforcement shootout, because that could have brought major lawsuits against the company. So... I would imagine that that was that was done by the company. I don't know who did the the bulldozing. I don't know which entity was responsible for that. But everybody that I talk to around locally, they're like, "Well, yeah, wouldn't if that was your company, wouldn't you just get rid of all the the attraction that's got people coming and trespassing and and almost getting into shootouts and stuff?" So yeah. I think that's probably the most honest observation of what's going on with the bulldozing, uh, without knowing more personally about that. I, I was long gone by the time that that happened, but. You know, I think people need to understand that. And back to Bundy Ranch, I mean, I'll let you talk about that a little bit more, but didn't Screwy Louie just drive himself up there? He wasn't really associated with anyone, but he started, what I hear is that he just stepped in front of news cameras and started talking as though he were some sort of big militia commander and started just making stuff up and they started listening to him. 
That's absolutely correct. And I've talked to lots of insiders. I've talked to Bundys. And I've also talked to trustworthy boots on the ground people. No one even knew who he was when it came to the Bundys. He just shows up, throws himself in front of a camera, saddles up with Stuart Rhodes. Oath Keepers President Stuart Rhodes again threw his weight behind this wingnut. Now, Rhodes, whose group claims to be made up of tens of thousands of current and former law enforcement and military personnel, posted a call to action on June 6th of this year on their own Oath Keepers website, telling his militia members to go to Arizona and help with this operation, pointing out veterans on patrol as claimed to uncovered evidence of a child sex trafficking at an abandoned industrial site near Tucson, Arizona, and that law enforcement was not taking the situation seriously. And then, of course, as you mentioned, the whole child skull in the desert that was found near the site. And as you alluded to this, Craig, even after the local sheriff's department released a statement saying that skull, it was an adult skull. But none of that stopped Stuart Rhodes. He's one of the most prominent figures in the anti-government militia movement and he's embracing this wingnut's claims and sending our militants to back him up. And even Rhodes himself was in a video with Meyer on Tuesday, June 12th. It was posted to the Veterans on Patrol Facebook page and he said, hey, I'm looking for members of special operations and law enforcement experience. Oath keepers should be prepared to be armed to provide security for the field teams and for the operation in general. They also asked for cash more cash on top of this, because if you can't volunteer for this mission, please make a donation to support those who can to cover, you know, considerable travel, food, lodging. This call to action, Arizona, is by far the most bizarre thing that Stuart Rhodes has done. But some of the militiamen that Meyer encountered during the 2014 anti-government patriot standoff in Bunkerville, Nevada, and the occupation of the wildlife refuge later in Oregon. You guys remember I've interviewed Ammon and, and Cliven as I've said, his appearances didn't go over well. And some of those militiamen accused him of being a snitch even for federal law enforcement, or at least a total troublemaker provocateur looking for attention. And again, that's how he got named Screwy Louie. Greg Whalen told me that Lewis was not only kicked out of the militia camp at Bundy Ranch in 2014 for marking the parking area with a glow stick when the supposed government drone strike was to occur, but he also said he got thrown out of the militia camp at the Oregon Refuge. He barges onto the grounds of the refuge. He got into a number of physical confrontations, but yet none of this seems to phase Oath Keepers Stuart Rhodes. And how is that, that this guy's got, you know, a long rap sheet, criminal record. He's recently been arrested on two more felonies, and he's under several more investigations as well as his veterans on patrol, so-called ministry. His organization is under investigation for all these hundreds of thousands of dollars that are still pouring in, by the way. And, and this whole thing is just completely, it, it's bizarro land. But there are some lessons to be learned here, Craig, and I would like you to walk us through what those lessons are. I think they're really important going forward here. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, very unfortunate uh, encounter, but there are a lot of lessons, uh, good lessons learned for, for people so that that never happens again. So, And some of my tactical training classes, in a crisis, I get people to calm their thinking uh, with a breathing technique. And it really it, it goes to, to understanding how the human brain works. And when, it, when people say cooler heads prevail, it means that when we're calm, we think much more rationally and clearly and are able to use the facts better. So I think that's one of the things when you get 
emotional over a story and you, and you feel like you're just so upset and you just don't know what to do, you probably shouldn't do anything too drastic online while you're in that state. That's not a healthy state to start attacking people and trying to cause damage to those that, that you don't know. So I think that's one lesson learned is that uh, we, we need to be calm and in a calmer mind, we can make more rational decisions. Again, another lesson would be integrity. And when someone is following the facts, wherever they may lead, you've got to push your emotions aside and deal with credible, factual evidence and that will paint the picture. I, I use the analogy of a, of a television screen. If you only have a handful of pixels on a television screen, you, you may think it's something. It may look like a sailboat. You know, you throw a few thousand more pixels and you may think, oh, now it looks like a giraffe. And then you, you know, you, you run it into 4K HD and then you're like, oh, okay, now I see that's actually something entirely different. It's a landscape scene and it's, and it's beautiful and it's very clear. So with the more pixels or with more information, the picture becomes more clear. Intelligence is the same way and an investigation is no different. The more information you have, the clearer picture you can gain. So that's a helpful concept uh, of trying to research anything you want to research in all directions to what my dad used to say as a pastor is chew the meat and spit out the bone <laughs> take what is valuable and and hang on to it and if something proves to be false then just set it aside but at least you've you've made yourself aware of it rather than just getting your all of your information from one narrow source which is unhealthy uh, they call it hope porn what screwy louie does to people and he's a he's a predator he's a hope porn predator so maybe this can be lessons learned of a hope porn predator screwy louie <laughs> for people out there and i do feel bad for the the well-meaning people that want to save kids because i don't know how much money they've, they've sent the guy and i don't know how embarrassed they've been to have their name on his wall and, and attack honorable organizations and i, I know other people in media have said that uh, these, you know, zombies, if you will, of Screwy Louis have been all over their websites and phone calls and emails and hounding them for saying different things about Screwy Louis, and and they just believed too much in him and and they allowed themselves to get turned against so many good people. And that's unfortunate. So that's part of the lesson there. Yeah, really good points. And the other thing I think that's so important is when you're calling for violence, though, against an innocent city council person or a rancher or police who are just doing their job, you know, there's a lot of bad outcomes that could happen with Lewis Arthur's mission. Ending up with armed standoffs against police or other military, that is a bad outcome. He stated in videos that he allows his teams to create their own rules of engagement, and he stated that they decide when it's okay to open fire. The possible scenarios of that are endless and frightening. And what's more frightening is if when you're doing it in the name of God. Well, look at Jim Jones of Jonestown. Yeah, He poisoned how many hundreds of people and, and murdered them. And he was talking about Jesus, you know, constantly. So, yeah, predators are not beyond claiming to be saved or made their life better. So we, we've got to be careful in vetting these people. So shame on the people for not looking into his background a little bit more. I do appreciate the people that, that said, you know what, Craig, he's turned his life around, so let's give him another chance. So that's a that's a forgiving heart, and I respect and appreciate that. And some of the ladies have told me that. But in reality, I already knew that he was a predator That because I'd already seen firsthand him lie and cause harm and damage, and he was attacking all these other good people. So that 
is not someone whose heart's been changed. That's not someone that's living for God. That that is a is a predator who's being used for evil, whether he's intentionally doing it for evil or unwittingly serving the devil. He's he's causing a lot of harm. So we have to be honest and look in the backgrounds of the person. People usually don't change their spots overnight. You know, I've lived my life one way my entire life. And Scooby Louie's life looks pretty much one way from beginning to end. Looks like he's got a long criminal history, drug addiction, homelessness, and and all that. So why he would have any credibility, I just, I, I don't know. You know, it's one thing if someone's born again and God's doing a work and there's fruit. That's one thing. These supporters claim, oh, yeah, this, this guy has totally changed his life around. How? With more felony charges and multiple investigations? That's just over the summer. How's that turning over a new leaf? I could do a 10-part series on his sketchy, checkered background, and I'm not even going to get into the rumors of murder. He's lawless. He's a self-admitted drug abuser. He's definitely hopped up on something in a lot of his videos. He's a attention-seeking sociopath who gets people riled up on his videos, all this live streaming. But as Craig said, vetting is important. The word tells us, know those who labor amongst you. Just because someone says they're a veteran or a patriot or they say they're a Christian, that doesn't mean anything. You'll know them by their fruit. You look at them, you look at their life, you look at their track record, their mission statement. I think you'll agree, Craig, that's an important lesson to be learned out of this. Absolutely. Man, you hit on mission statement. Um, That's an important thing for everybody to recognize, the concept of a mission statement. If you're talking about an official 501c3 nonprofit organization, which, by the way, takes vetting and qualification and integrity to get. Screw Louie can't qualify for one of those because of his life's history, his lack of integrity, and and, uh, and he can't qualify for it. So that's why he's just literally calling himself Vets on Patrol. He could call himself Liberace or Elvis <laughs> on Patrol if he, if he wanted to, but it's not official, so it doesn't mean anything. So people need to recognize there are 501c3 nonprofit organizations that are legally accountable to the public. Man, we've got to go through qualifications, and we've got to have open books. We've got to be diligent and honest with what we do with those donations because that's how we demonstrate to the people that we're worthy. We shouldn't be giving money to people that don't do anything with it or that do the opposite thing or, or something else with it. So what is the mission statement? So it, let's say if folks, if you want to support a certain organization. First, find out what it is that they claim to do. With Vets for Child Rescue, we claim to expose and combat child trafficking, primarily in the U.S., but now we've expanded to to an international mission for a wider scope. But the primary focus of, of our organization is to expose this, to win the entire war, to change the culture against child trafficking, to recruit millions and millions of Americans against this so that the bad guys can't pull this off anymore, so that entire generations of children will no longer be subjected to this. So if the people are thinking, well, do you kick a door in and rescue one child at a time? Well, we could focus on that, but it would be at a snail's pace relative to what we're doing. We've got giant programs that are going to educate kids on how not to get captured in the first place. We're running joint federal and local law enforcement operations to arrest the pedophiles directly and take them off the streets. There's 70 more children each time that won't be subjected to this. There are thousands already whose lives have been or will be affected just in our first year. 
So look at the mission statement of the organization, and it reads to you exactly what they intend to do. And then look at their track record. Are they effective at carrying out their mission statement? And if both of those things are good with you, then you're probably safe to go ahead and and donate to that organization. Exactly. Very well said. Well, in the waning part of the show, Craig, there is some exciting news as far as Vets for Child Rescue goes. You have an actual date now. It's official. I want you to talk about Contraland. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Contraland is a documentary series now. We've formatted it into a series because there's just too much content. And if we tried to do it in a feature film documentary now, the way that we were, it would just be too crowded and it would not be as effective at informing and educating the people. So it's a documentary series. Uh, We're going on Netflix. I think we've got other options as well. Netflix is the biggest platform far and away. And if people want to criticize which platforms we get our documentary uploaded onto and shared through, I just say, look, we're getting the the word out the biggest way that we can. Over in Asia and Australia and parts of Europe, man, Netflix is huge. It's a lot bigger deal than it is even here in the United States. Some, Some places, that's the only station they get. So, Hundreds of millions of people will see Contraland thanks to Netflix. So we're going to go with the biggest reach that we can because our mission is to is to empower the public with the truth. So that's the episode one. It will be like the pilot, and that'll come out in November. And uh, we'll be putting out more information on how to find it and how to view that. And with that will be an overview of the other episodes to come. And each is going to cover a different aspect of child trafficking and our operations. So a lot of it's uh, very emotional stuff. It's a very painful subject to learn about, but it's very empowering to learn about. A lot of the stories are very uplifting and inspiring to see the the successes. And it's a beautiful journey. And I think a lot of people are going to really really appreciate this and it's going to be life changing it's going to be culture changing we've got the best people anyone could want working on our viper team which is veterans interdicting uh, pedophile rings our fast leaders we've got 280 or 290 fast leaders across the country now that are rallying uh, further support and fundraising and setting up all kinds of events and coordination we've got the tops of several of the most pertinent Uh, federal law enforcement agencies as close allies now and we're looking at what we can do together and, and really have a bigger impact so I'm thankful. I pray my thanks every day. I can't believe that's happening this quickly and and going this big. The staff, the people that have helped me build out this organization, people have stepped up and worked long, ridiculous hours for for pennies on the dollar to help build this because their hearts are in it. They believe and they're making great things happen. I don't want to get choked up right now, but it's pretty cool. Just very quickly in the waning moments, Craig, touch on what the parents need to know about these predator apps. Touch on that and then tell folks how they can get behind Vets for Child Rescue, how they can help, how they can volunteer, and how they can support a true organization that is making a tremendous impact. Well, we've learned a ton about how the predators stalk their prey. And one of the main ways that the predators stalk the children is through their apps. There are apps that young kids keep on their phones that they don't know are predatory or that are dangerous and that the predators use. So there's a list of, I think, 20 or 30 apps already that we know of that have no business on any child's phone. So this is a case, folks, where we have to be assertive as parents and invade the kids' privacy just enough to make sure they don't 
become victims of predators. So you need to get into their phones, look and see if any of these apps are on their phones and you need to delete them and forbid them to be reloaded. So some of these apps look like other apps, but they're really a surreptitious dating app. And some of them pretty raunchy, a lot of bad folks on the other end talking to your children as though they're another kid or, or a young person. Really, it's a creepy old uh, predator waiting mm. to talk them around the corner. So go to vetsforchildrescue.org, our website, and we've got those list of apps on there. So you can make a list of those, make note of them, delete them off your kid's phone. And if you want to stay current to get notified whenever the new apps that the predators are using get updated, then we can push that to people and they can just enter their emailing address and register and then they'll be always current. They'll be sent the new updates like, hey, here are two more, three more new apps. Make sure these are not on your kid's phone now. So it's a really cool service that we provide in good faith for for the cause and there's so many other things going on so feel free to look through our website there's news updates there and you talked about people helping man absolutely do pray because this at the end of the day this is a clash between good and evil this child trafficking there are a lot of aspects to it and some of it really unthinkable uh do pray and there are, there are attacks against us uh, who are doing the, the, the real work. And to those that have tried to cause harm to us, if you understand now that you were wrong, do tell your friends that you were wrong. Do write me a note now and apologize. Do click that donate button on Best for Child Rescue and actually help us. And uh, those that want to volunteer, we've got a volunteer portal where you can register and, and volunteer for whatever it is that you're capable of doing, uh, graphic artwork, all kinds of stuff that different people are good at. And we've got a, a reporting portal of how to report child trafficking. I mean, there's just a lot on our website. So we're building this out. There's a lot of capability and a lot of good people behind this. So join the good fight. And, uh, you know, we appreciate everybody that, that's been backing us. We couldn't do it. It does take, you know, it does take donations. That We're a nonprofit organ, organization. So the way that we fund our, our mission and, and run our operations and arrest these guys has to be paid for. We've got to pay for the gas and pay for the transportation and, and all of it. So uh, we appreciate people that are helping. And it's inspiring to see how quickly this is growing just as a grassroots movement that we the people can take charge and actually do something very far-reaching and impactful. So it's uh, I'm thankful to be a part of it. Well, we appreciate what you're doing and we appreciate your service as well. I just want to say on a personal note, I'm really sorry that you've been under all this attack. You are an absolute American hero. You're doing a tremendous job with Vets for Child Rescue. Folks, bookmark this website. That's the number four, childrescue.org. That's vetsforchildrescue.org. It is linked below. Go check out Craig's website. Craig, again, I speak for all the audience when I say thank you for your efforts, thank you for your service, and thank you for your time in coming on the program. And I look forward to having you on again soon. God bless. Thank you so much, Sheila. It was a privilege, and I appreciate what you're doing, too. You're one of the warriors that's carrying that fight, and it's important that good people speak the truth, especially when so much of the vocal platforms are, are bought out by our opposition. So God bless you for it, and I think you do a fantastic job, and I appreciate your efforts. Thank you, sir. Folks, that was Craig 
Sawman Sawyer, bookmark vetsforchildrescue.org. That's vets, the number four, childrescue.org. Got it linked below. Reach out to Craig. Let him know you heard him on the program and get behind their organization, like I said. Folks, we've got to make a stand as Christians against this demonic agenda. Craig's right. We're in a spiritual battle. This is nothing more than a fight of good versus evil. Look at what's come out about all these child sex trafficking rings. Look at how they're trying to normalize pedophilia. I've been saying it on the air for over eight years. Go look at my Facebook and Twitter pages, which reminds me, if you are not following my Sheila Zielinski Facebook page and Weekend Vigilante show page and follow my Twitter account, the links are below in the description. I'm not afraid of these sick, disgusting devils that are trying to normalize pedophilia. I still post whatever I want, despite losing friends, the shadow banning, all this Stasi censorship. I still continue to fight hard to shine the light on these cockroaches. And if you look at my recent posts, I posted a poster that I found that you're just going to be shocked at what it says. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see this. Look at this poster. Pedophiles are people too. Love is love. No, they're demonic scum who require rope and a tall tree. And if age is just a number, pedos, well, then this is just a swing set for pedos. Sheila, you're being so mean. Well, you know what? I quit being nice to the devil a long time ago, and I suggest Christians do the same. Well, listen, God bless you tonight. I'm going to leave you with this final clip. This is frightening. This is right from TED Talks, and I'll leave you with this. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless. Most of us feel discomfort when we think about pedophiles. We are not responsible for our feelings. We do not choose them. It is an our responsibility to overcome our negative feelings about pedophiles and to treat them with the same respect we treat other people with. We should accept that pedophiles are people who have not chosen their sexuality and who, unlike most of us, will never be able to live it out freely. We should accept that pedophilia is a sexual preference. Wait, what did she just say? We should accept that pedophilia is a sexual preference.